0: It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails, because you're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio.
1: What's up, Blackalites? This is Bobby Black welcoming you to another edition of Blazin' here on Cannabis Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's show. Uh, we did a special episode live from the Hitman Coffee Shop. Uh, In Los Angeles, if you didn't get to listen to it, uh, please do. Or you can also uh, watch video of it. Uh, I actually recorded video of the podcast for the first time and posted it up on my YouTube page. Uh, You can find a link to that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazing with Bobby Black. And while you're over there, please do me a favor. Subscribe to my YouTube channel so that when I have more uh, cool videos coming out like that, you'll be able to know right away. Well, we've got a great show uh, for you today. Uh, Coming up a little later, I'm going to be speaking with uh, SoCal uh, stand-up comedian and cannabis host, uh, Medicinal Mike. Uh, But first, as always, it's time for a quick recap of the week's headiest headlines. This is The Burndown. Burning through the smoke and mirrors of the news headlines. This is The
0: Burndown.
1: First up, in a story we've been following for weeks here on The Burndown, uh, Vermont Governor Phil Scott has vetoed a bill that would have made marijuana legal for adults in Vermont but offered a, quote, path forward for passing it later this year, according to a press release from Marijuana Policy Project. He specified a handful of changes that would need to be made for him to support the measure and said he believes the legislature has time to incorporate those changes uh, and send a revised version to him during the summer session. Uh, The bill would have eliminated penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana and home cultivation. Uh, of up to two mature marijuana plants and four immature plants by adults 21 and older beginning in July of next year. It would also have created a study uh, commission to develop uh, regulations to tax the use. The measure was approved by the Senate and the House earlier last month, making it the very first time in history that a state legislature has ever passed a bill to make marijuana legal. Uh, 57 percent of Vermont voters uh, support allowing 21 and over adults to possess and grow limited amounts of marijuana, according to a statewide survey uh, conducted in March by public polling, public policy polling. Uh, Now on to New Hampshire, where the House of Representatives voted last Thursday to remove criminal penalties for possession of small amounts of cannabis. That bill now goes to Republican Governor Chris Sununu, who uh, plans to sign it. The bill passed the House without debate. Well, that's nice to hear uh, that they're uh, all united on that. Um, The legislation removes arrest as a possible penalty for marijuana violation, making possession of up to three quarters of an ounce of cannabis or five grams of hash a violation level offense with a fine of up to $300 for adults. Minors caught with the cannabis, would be subject to a delinquency petition. The violation becomes a misdemeanor offense if a fourth arrest takes place within three years. Any money collected from the fines under the law will go into a fund that will help uh, alcohol and drug abuse treatment and prevention. The House originally approved allowing possession of up to an ounce, but the Senate altered it to three quarters. Uh, Apparently, that quarter of an ounce extra was going to make all the difference. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now it's uh, over to the southwest, where in Nevada last week uh, was the deadline to apply for a license to operate a cannabis business in the state. According to the Las Vegas Sun, the Department of Taxation has already received more than 143 applications, including those for retailers, wholesalers, growers, processors, and others. Dion Cantine, the director of the department, told The Sun that, quote, most if not all of the adult use license applications received so far have come from entities already licensed through the state's medical marijuana program. The the department needs to issue licenses by July 1st if the state's uh, cannabis market is to launch on schedule. But some bills that would address certain tax issues and set additional regulations remain tied up in the legislature. One point of contention is how Nevada's adult use law will integrate with the state's medical marijuana program. Specifically, whether to keep the medical programs separate from the adult use market or to merge them together, as is currently set to happen. Uh, One concern over the merge is that a possible crackdown on adult use from the Trump administration could then threaten the medical program as well if they are combined. Uh, Senate Bill 236, a proposal that would have legalized cannabis lounges to provide tourists a place to consume socially uh, where gaming was not the focal point, as well as allowing promoters to apply for special licenses to allow consumption at festivals and other events, failed to gain traction in the Assembly and is now on hold until next session. Even if it had passed the legislature, there is doubt as to whether Governor Brian Sandoval would sign it into law as he has expressed concerns about the ramifications of social consumption. So as we're seeing in all these news stories we've been reporting for the past few weeks, as more more states legalize, the next battle seems to be allowing lounges and cafes and such so that people will actually have a place to smoke it. And now we're off to the Pacific Northwest, where the Oregon legislature on Monday sent to the governor's office a bill that expands the Liquor Control Commission's authority to regulate medical marijuana and gives incentives to medical marijuana growers to enter the recreational market. Governor Kate Brown is expected to sign Senate Bill 1057, which passed the House and Senate in May. Among its provisions, uh, it would create a medical marijuana license issued by the OLCC, that's of the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, that allows medical marijuana growers and processors to access, access to recreational retailers. The number of medical marijuana dispensaries dropped dramatically when recreational marijuana dispensaries started to open. Without a legal market available to unlicensed medical cannabis growers, some growers turn instead to the black market. And without... A uh, OLCC license, medical marijuana growers have no access to recreational marijuana businesses. Uh, Another provision of the bill allows city and county governments where voters have opted out of legal recreational marijuana to amend those bans to permit licensed medical marijuana facilities without putting the question to voters. The bill requires cannabis produced within the state Program to be tracked by OLCC seed-to-sale cannabis tracking system. Uh, Licensed marijuana producers could expand the number of their plants or canopies by 10% in order to grow for the medical patients. The producers must donate 75% of the additional cannabis, but may sell the remaining 25%. In a related story, uh, state officials uh, say that since recreational marijuana has become legal, the number of people with medical cards in Oregon has dropped from 77,000 to 67,000. Patients with medical marijuana cards can buy more at one time than recreational customers and pay lower prices. And it's not just customers who are moving to the recreational market. Of the 300-plus dispensaries in the state, more than 80% have applied to sell recreational cannabis. Dispensary owners are frustrated because the state appears to be pushing aside the promise of medical marijuana in favor of the tax revenues it gets from the recreational. State and local authorities can slap up to 20% on recreational sales while they don't add anything to medicinal sales. Uh, And now it's over to Detroit, where uh, they appear to be cracking down pretty hard on medical marijuana. Ever since a controversial new zoning ordinance went into effect last year, 167 of about 280 dispensaries that were operating in the Detroit area have been shut down by city officials and lawyers estimate another 50 will be shuttered in the coming weeks. The root of these closures uh, appears to be the drafting of regulations without concern or input from those who would have to abide by the new rules. For a medical marijuana dispensary to operate legally in Detroit, it must be located 1,000 feet away from any school, park, library, daycare center, church, liquor store, or even another dispensary. This has restricted dispensaries to operating in mostly inaccessible and undesirable industrial areas. Uh, In addition to to the zoning issue, there's also the draconian licensing requirements. So far, the city has issued just five medical marijuana licenses. That's only one dispensary for every 135,000 residents. Another 70 are operating under provisional permission while they go through the approval process, but the city of Detroit has stated they intend to have no more than 50 citywide. And now it's on to the Capitol, where last week members from both sides of the aisle expressed displeasure with... Uh, Jeff Sessions' Drug War 2.0 sentencing memo, which effectively withdrew a signature part of President Obama's Smart on Crime initiative that sought to reduce the number of mandatory minimum sentences handed down to nonviolent drug offenders. Libertarian Senator Rand Paul was among the first to protest the new order. Among Democrats, the responses have been almost uniformly negative. Uh, Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois said the new policy will cause, likely cause costs to skyrocket and have a destructive effect on communities. Former Attorney General Eric Holder also weighed in on the matter saying, the policy announced today is not tough on crime, it is dumb on crime. It is an ideologically motivated cookie-cutter approach that has only been proven to generate unfairly long sentences that are often applied indiscriminately to do little to achieve long-term public safety. And now it's to my hometown of Brooklyn, where also speaking out against Sessions' policy was acting district attorney uh, Eric Gonzalez. In an op-ed piece for City and State New York, Gonzalez put forth his view that the drug war incurred enormous costs, both financially and in terms of the effects on individuals and their families, especially among vulnerable communities. In 2014, when the district attorney uh, announced that his office would no longer prosecute cases involving possession of small amounts of cannabis, Gonzalez wrote and implemented the policy, which he described as common sense reform. And it seems to be working, as Gonzalez noted that last year was the safest in Brooklyn's history, which he attributes in part to the city's selective approach to enforcement. And that's going to wrap it up for the burndown this week. But stick around, because after the break, I'll be right back with medicinal Mike Boris here on Blazin'. You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Venomous Radio. I'd like to say a few words about our sponsors and my friends at 420 Science. I've known Matt and Gary from 420 Science for over a decade. We've spent a lot of time together at the Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam, at the Doobie Awards in their hometown of Austin. They were even at my wedding. And I've always admired their integrity and how they've built 420 Science from the ground up to become the most trusted online head shop. Visit 420science.com slash podcast for an exclusive deal on pipes and more from genuine people who put their customers first. That's 420science.com slash podcast.
0: Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, B.C. Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top-quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Purps, B.C. Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, B.C. Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade, so you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot, Home of Cannabis Champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national
2: laws before ordering the cannabis world of tomorrow converges for the first ever southeast cannabis conference and expo in fort lauderdale florida june 9th through the 11th register right now at seccexpo.com tv talk icon montel williams nfl all-stars ricky williams marvin washington and kyle turley lead some of our top tier panels in industry information athletics real estate technology medical research and more Meet hundreds of vendors and thousands of entrepreneurs at the 2017 Southeast Cannabis Conference and Expo in Fort Lauderdale. Last-minute registration is open now at SECCExpo.com.
0: Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com.
1: are back. My guest this week on Blazin' is an icon of the SoCal cannabis scene. He is a stand-up comedian from San Diego. He's the host of Nug Life Radio and former host of Speakeasy Live TV, uh, as well as hosting more cannabis events than probably anyone else I know. Uh, He's one of the nicest, hardest-working guys on the cannabis event circuit. Please welcome to the show my friend, Medicinal Mike Boris. What's up, Mike?
3: Hey, brother. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I very much appreciate it. Long time listener, first time caller.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, you know, I I felt like it was about time I returned the favor. You know, when I first moved to Cali a year ago, pretty much the first thing I did after I got here was come on your show. uh, Come on Nug Life Radio as a guest.
3: And it was very hard to stalk you for the four months before you moved out here to make sure that worked out just like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to say, I really appreciated the uh, warm welcome that you and your team uh, extended to me. Uh, I didn't really know anybody in the area. You know, I knew some people, San Diego, LA, of course, but like just, I was a fish out of water and trying to connect with the cannabis scene here in SoCal uh, coming from New York and You just were super welcoming and and brought me into the fold and introduced me to so many great people and really became my first friend out here so thanks so much for all that
3: oh thank you man you know uh we got a lot of respect for what you do and uh sometimes when you guys are all the way over on the east you're not getting and feeling the love that you're getting from the west but uh usually the farther away from home you go the bigger you are i was super excited to meet you and uh surprised to see how humble you are because uh, you're a rock star, man.
1: You do good
3: <laughs> work. You do God's
1: work. Oh, well, thank you, man. I, I like to think I do the devil's work, really. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate that. Uh, so tell me about Nug Life Radio. Tell me a little about the background of, of how it came to be and how you became involved with it.
3: Well, I started it like eight years ago with the intention of booking more comedy gigs Uh, With it, and that was the only intention. And I used to just smoke out comedians and play games with them, and it was a good time. And we did that for a few years. Then we had a guest on who's a celebrity, quote unquote, and he loved the idea so much that he came up with his own show that was the exact same thing. That forced us to flip over to education, and we picked up Dr. Kelly and we started working with Envisage Radio and through their help we became the first cannabis education show syndicated on FM. So we were on multiple cities. We probably the first one, Russ Bellevue, he he might we're we're kind of real close and close, but he's a good cat too.
1: We know Russ very well. You know,
3: well. I, we've just been cranking at it and you know, in the cannabis industry it's not all gold like everybody thinks. So we all have to really, you know, work our day jobs, but through some awesome volunteers, Benji Cooper and benji reyes and uh madison busby without him we couldn't have done it that has enabled us to keep going and now we're on knsj ksfr and Bomb, which is not in vegas and not in baker but if you get like a flat tire on that highway and <laughs> you've already called for help we have a show for you
1: <laughs> you're the guys that show up you're the guys that show up to change the tire right
3: that's it. That's, that's it. We're there, We're there to change the radio station. And then we spend the amount of time it takes for the show to play through to uh, change that tire.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, and, yeah, you get-
3: and we do everything, too. It's not just radio. You know, it's became a whole production. I've done five episodes of Patience, which is a short film we do. Turned it into a comic book with Benji Cooper's help. We have a Patience CBD drink coming out uh, this month. Steve's Garden I wrote which is with Mike Winslow coming out and I we work hard. Like we're, we're always doing something. So, you know, you're, you're the same way it's work, 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 work. <laughs> and uh, hopefully when we're like 70, we'll get to look back and enjoy it all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you also, you guys also do the lifetime achievement belt, right? Now that's nug, nug life radio uh, sponsors, yes. the lifetime achievement belt. Tell us a little about the lifetime achievement belt and, and who's gotten it and, and how it came around.
3: Well, we we started out, and it was a wrestling belt. So we work in pro wrestling. We do the Wrestle Session, which is pro wrestling with cannabis-themed and cannabis over opiate abuse. And we came out with a title, and it was the Nug Life Championship. And we stopped wrestling for a while, and I let this kid, Andrew, uh, who does nothing but volunteers his time for homeless, you know, helps out his ailing mother, just, you know, the kid's an angel. Eventually, we decided, you know, the wrestling wasn't picking up. We went over to give it to him as an award. And we did it on stage and everybody liked it so much. And it was like, you know, to say thank you for something you're never going to get thanked for. And from there, we've awarded, we do the Lifetime Achievement, the Activist of the Year, you know, whatever we could put on a big old weed belt. We've done Tommy Chong. We've done one for Cheech, Willie Nelson. Rob Van
1: Dam, which uh, I was there one
3: for. Of the yeah, Rob Van Dam, the godfather from WWE. Who Godfather it was the first one to get cannabis on the WWF merchandise, because Vince McMahon didn't know what cannabis was back then. <laughs> so, you know, little stuff like that where you're not really profiting from cannabis. We you know, we don't give it to you know somebody because they sold so many pounds in a month, you know. But if you do a lot of work out there and you know, we try to balance it with celebrities and, and real people, cannabis celebrities. If you've done a lot of work and you put your heart into it, but, you know, you don't make anything off it, you're not profiting, and it's just a genuine good deed, we try to award that and, you know, do a little celebration.
1: Yeah, and I've gotten – I've had the honor of presenting two belts with you. One was to Rob Van Dam at the Dabolition Derby, which is one of – the first event that you and I co-hosted together, which was really fun. That was the best event in the world, like (laughs) to watch cars
3: smash into each other with inexperienced drivers – that that was just fun. That was just fun, fun. And yeah. we had wrestling there too.
1: Right. <laughs> and you and I were uh, the commentators on the wrestling with a little help from Adam Ill. I got to say, I, I realized, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big wrestling guy. I was when I was younger. I kind of, you know, fell out of it over the years. But uh, I, I had, a, I was really impressed by the commentary, how I guess it's the stand-up comedian in you. You're able to just come out with this these lines one after another after another. Like, I just... I don't have that level of, I mean, I'm a good host, I'm a good interviewer, but I don't have that level of just spitting out, you know. Uh, I like to think I'm a funny guy, but when I'm on the spot, it's a little harder for me.
3: It's a blessing, really. I mean, the way you get funny is from bad parents and years of neglect, (laughs) you know, like you have to really be desensitized to start finding the humor in traumatic stuff or you know, and, and then you become a comedian and it just gets worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the one thing God gives you when he takes the rest away. Rhythm.
1: <laughs> so you're obviously a big wrestling fan. You do the Wrestle Sesh. You did the Dablish and Derby Wrestling. You're involved with THC Wrestling. Uh, you do a lot of the commentating. You're friends with wrestlers. Um, tell us, a, what what is it about wrestling that you love so much? And, and tell us who some of your favorite wrestlers have been over the years.
3: Well, what I love about wrestling so much is I used to watch it with my family and it was the one thing that your whole family could get together on and they're not fighting with each other. You know, back then there was only five channels and everybody watched wrestling today. I'm not so much into wrestling on television as much as I like indie wrestling and the young guys working their way up. My favorite wrestler would be like, you know, the old Hulk Hogan and his career. And that's just because, again, you know, I I got to watch it with my grandmother, and that was her character, and we cheered for him together, and, you know, it it was about a family, you know, it was more of a family thing than being a sports fan. I couldn't tell you anything about any other sport.
1: So, you and I would have been at odds because I was a Piper guy all the way. Roddy Piper was my man. Like, I worshiped Roddy Piper. Piper. (laughs) So, the Piper's Pit was the one thing that I looked forward to. Like, if there was a wrestling, you know, on on the weekend and there was no Piper's Pit that weekend, I was like annoyed. I was, you know, I I was waiting for that because he was so crazy. I mean, he just acted so nuts. And (laughs) he was just such a, he was like the quintessential villain. He, you know, he was just so ridiculous.
3: in real life he is one of the sweet he was, rest in peace, one of the sweetest, uh humblest men you'd ever meet. I mean he super loved to work with his fans and he was just a really, really
1: good dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was very sad when he passed away. It was very unexpected. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of celebrities, you know, pass away and you you hear about it and you say, oh, that sucks or I'm bummed or whatever. But, man, I really took that one hard, man. I got to say it was really hard because I I always, in the back of my mind, I always kind of hoped I'd meet him one day, you know, and I never really had the opportunity to do that. I always hoped I'd get to shake his hand one day.
3: Well, and that's why we started the THC Wrestling, and that was just to raise awareness. You know, I, I basically sat one day. And looked up all the old wrestlers uh, and there's over 50, 60 of them that have passed away due to opiate abuse. They give them so much painkillers from the abuse they put on their body, uh, just like football and any other sport, that they're either, you know, killing themselves off or the drugs are killing them or the drugs are causing them to kill themselves off.
1: Yeah. And that's a topic we actually discussed on the very first episode of Speakeasy Live that you had me on as a guest. Uh, the first guest, the main guest was Boo Williams, the former NFL player, uh, who's pro cannabis. And then I was the second guest after him. And I, and that was a big topic that you guys talked about was about how athletes are over prescribed painkillers and they're just basically rushed out back out onto the field and they're not really given the kind of health care they deserve.
3: Right. No, uh, very true and unfortunate. But as long as, you know, they make so much money off it, uh, the education you always see will be lack.
1: Yeah. So uh, as as we mentioned before, you you have hosted more cannabis events than anyone I think I've ever encountered. I'm going to run down a list of these. In the so- world. Yeah, I'm going to run down a list of some <laughs> of these events. And what I'd like you to do is when I say the name of the event, just give me your the, the first thing that pops into your head, the, uh, a best memory or an impression or, or anything from that event, all yeah, right? I'm going to run down the list. Okay, Las Vegas Hemp Fest.
3: Oh, God, that's a lot of work to get to where it is. A lot of sacrifice, but worth it at this point.
1: Okay, Alaska Hemp Fest.
3: <laughs> free show. Uh, anyone that's doing a show with more heart than money, I try to do that show for free. Three days of daytime three days of daytime. It never gets dark. Nobody ever looks better than they do when you first see them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Puerto Rico Hemp Fest.
3: Th- that is one of the most beautiful places I could say that I've ever been. And the people there are wonderful. They gave us an extra four days there and just took us around to the waterfalls. We ate coconuts right off the trees. But the women there carry knives. So
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, how about Canafest in Prague?
3: The Cold War is not yet over, contrary to what you hear and believe. It is alive and well out there. The VIP room, I finally got into to find where all the smoke was coming from, and it was 400 marbles, not one joint in the place. I think they cheat your foot off if you're caught with a joint.
1: Oh, man. How about HempCon?
3: HempCon, is—that's uh, my, it's my stable show. And I, lo- I love it. <laughs> that's, I don't know. Epcon <laughs> is uh, up and down. So it's it's a crapshoot. Every show is different, but they do let me do a lot of creativity with it. But, you know, there's, yeah. Yeah. Here's,
1: yeah. here's one from back east from my old stomping grounds, Boston Freedom Rally.
3: Yes, I love the Boston Freedom Rally. This will be my first year hosting coming up, uh, courtesy of Philip Hardy and Scott Batano with Social High. And I can't wait to do that one. That's 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 going to be amazing. Williams did it
1: last year I believe yeah yeah I've actually back when I lived in New York we used to drive up to Boston every year for it I've, I've spoken on that on that stage on both of their stages uh numerous times uh they even gave me an award one year which was pretty cool so love those guys uh I miss I miss going to the Boston Freedom Rally all right what else uh, we got Wrestle Sesh obviously that's your own event right
3: fantastic when it doesn't get rated by the police
1: <laughs> I was there for that one too
3: <laughs> reviews for a rated show ever
1: yeah <laughs> Comedy Sesh?
3: Comedy Sesh is Las Vegas's first public recreational cannabis show, and I host that with Jack Slammy. He produces it. Cops chase us around. We keep moving. It's a little early to have recreational shows, but somebody didn't read the fine print,
1: Um, and now
3: we're like four in the (laughs) (laughs) wall.
1: And then uh, Hawaii Cannabis Expo. That's another one that you and I were at together.
3: That, That was in Waikiki. If you smush Los Angeles and Japan together... That's why Kiki doesn't really have the heart that you would think in Hawaii. And uh, that was the only disappointment. Otherwise, everything else was thrown fantastically.
1: Yeah. Last event, Chromicon.
3: This will be my first one. And it's my most anticipated favorite of the world uh, because it's comic books and cannabis. And I have a cannabis comic book. So I I cannot wait for this. I love cosplay. I love dressing up. And uh, anything that you can dress up. On is the show for me but so it's j-man from colorado j-man johnson i believe and uh he has a great reputation out there and i would hope uh that that extends over to las vegas which is my
1: hometown is that uh is is, is that a different uh because there's also i know jeffrey peterson uh, the 420 comic does a uh, cannabis comic book convention in denver i believe is this the same one are they partners on it or is this a different thing do you know
3: jeff peterson sucks publicly <laughs> and uh you know, <laughs> he he worked for this. He worked for this show, but like many others, he was terminated due to poor attitude, poor quality of work, and calling cops on other cannabis shows that won't hire him multiple, multiple times. Like the Las Vegas Cannabis Information Center mixer, Las Vegas Hemp Fest, serious shows as HempCon. <laughs> yeah, dead serious. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't serious. He uh,
1: he calls the cops on cannabis events.
3: He is, well, if they don't hire him, uh, and that's publicly known all over Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah, that guy's my Lex
1: Luthor. <laughs> wow, okay, I'm learning new things today. Uh, I, I did not know that, but uh, it's good I to know. I won't
3: even do a show that that guy is on. I won't touch it, I won't go near it, especially if I have like traffic warrants. Then I'm like, oh, I can't do a show where Jeff Peterson's at, because you know, the cops will call up if they close time.
1: <laughs> uh- In fact,
3: it, I, I own the 420comic.com. That's why me and Jeff are. That's why he hates me. I love him <laughs> to death. It's just not a comic.
1: Okay. Uh, well, you got
3: to write jokes to be a comic. And if you're a doctor and I go in there and I whiff up your heart and you walk out with my watch in your stomach, you're going to be like, hey, that's not a doctor. But with comedy, sometimes just anybody can go up there and just blabble out of their mouth diarrhea and offend a crowd. And then uh, they go, oh, I'm a comic because I did it. But uh, there's a lot of comics that work very hard to make their sets, you know, awesome, without dealing with people like
1: that. Wow, He's a devil. All right, all right. Beware, Bobby. Beware. All right, man. I will He's keep on the that. Island
3: in... of Misfit Toys.
1: I will keep that. <laughs> I keep that in mind. Um, if you had to pick a favorite event uh, of yours that you've hosted or been to, what would you say it was?
3: Well, oh, Las Vegas M Fest, hands down. It, it grows. It almost doubles every year. The organization just keeps getting better. The headliners keep getting better. All right. Yeah, I, I, I really like the show. Cool. Like, I'm from Las Vegas, so it's a treat to see everybody you go to high school with and, uh, you know, one year of community college with. You <laughs> <laughs> get to get together and show them how much better you are than them
1: now. <laughs> yeah. What about – what about what was the biggest shit show of, you've ever been to?
3: Oh, God. I've done so many shit shows. Okay, so let's <laughs> say biggest shit show – that should have been a good show and blasted themselves and had everything but themselves to blame. HempCon Las Vegas. It, it was literally thrown on federal property like two, three years ago, way before cannabis was any kind of legal. People came out with all kinds of cannabis. The booths were getting raided, but the event kept going.
1: Wow. Yeah. Of, uh, speaking of shit shows and Las Vegas, did you didn't go to that High Times uh, Vegas Cannabis Cup thing that went on, did you?
3: You know, and here's the problem, because I'm a local from Vegas. If, if I go 70 miles north of where I live now in San Diego, it's in Los Angeles, and you can't call it a San Diego show. <laughs> so in Las Vegas, when you go and drive all the way out to Moapa or wherever, I lived in Vegas for 30 years. I've never been to Moapa. <laughs> Nobody goes to the dirt field that they gave the Indians, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's just insanity. So it was offensive right off the bat. And then I know Vegas. You know we work with a lot of the police force and the marijuana task force, and you know we just knew everything that was going to happen there, including you know the weather. It's it's the high desert. There's winds blowing everywhere.
1: What's your opinion of high time shows in general? The Cannabis Cup. Have you been to many? And what was your take on it?
3: You know what? I've honestly I've seen a you know with all due respect, sir. (laughs) I've seen a a decline in the show. I don't. I got. I was lucky enough to be their headlining comic one year. You just you get no love, you know. Never got paid for it. You couldn't even get into the fence for like two hours till so they dragged everybody around. But the, the community, you know, I like seeing shows where there's some community. I like seeing educational booths. You know, it should be for every two vendor booths, you should have an educational. But you know, it's just it's not there anymore. Now it's become such propaganda. Corporate booths are what five thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. Uh, So if you're just starting out in the industry, let's say I invented like Johnny B, the digger. I invented some cool pipe and I want to show the world and this is the place to do it. I can't afford to do that without taking out a loan on my house. (laughs) Yeah. It's still a coveted stage. It's like you get to perform on the high time stage. You're like, I made it. You know, this is what I did all this
1: for. I I was on the high time stage for 20 (laughs) years and I haven't really made it as much as I thought I did.
3: Well, when you when you get to look back on your life, you know, it's it's just the experience that we have that makes us who we are. And that is just such an awesome experience, uh, you know, to get to entertain a crowd like that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you would, if I would have known you back then when you were, uh, you know, there to perform, I certainly would have made sure that you got in and got VIP and all that and taken care of. But oh, well, <laughs> well, the trick is that we commit our lives to building a time machine <laughs>
3: And coming back to this point right now, and if one does not show up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither of us did that, and we've just freed up a lot. Yeah, uh, now I, I wish I would. I, I, I love I love High Times. I read the magazine growing up forever, and you know just the events. Jamaica was awesome, you know, for a small thing, but it was there, It was community culture. Everybody was education, arts and crafts. I wish that they had an area where they would lower the prices down and do it maybe based. Uh, and I don't sell anything. Yet. I, you know, I'd like to see more, you know, handmade stuff and, you know, those kind of crowds there. Glass blowers, like the smaller ones that are new, still working in their garage and took five years to make this golden piece.
1: Yeah. Well, you've been to Chalice, right? You haven't hosted it, but you've been to Chalice. That was a pretty cool event.
3: I love Chalice. I love Chalice. Yeah. Chalice is probably one of my favorite events that I'm not involved with. Like, I mean, they, they seem to have it together. It's, it's education. It's fun. Everybody's there. And that's a lot of things, too. Wherever most of the patients show up or, you know, the recreational, whatever we're calling ourselves now, wherever they show up, as long as everybody participates, that's what makes the event.
1: Yeah, we got to hang out at Chalice a bit. I got to come on camera with you at Speakeasy Live, and uh, we we brought we brought Mel Frank on uh, and did a little thing, a little piece on him. Uh, it was fun, man. It was fun. I was really into the Speakeasy Live uh, show with you guys. But uh, what happened there? You don't work with them anymore, right? Um, you,
3: you know, and I'll be honest with you, I I worked very hard to get into Weed Maps. Very hard. And then uh, I was terminated. Let's <laughs> terminated due to they couldn't afford to pay anymore. You know, no fault of their own. I showed up very late on that show, and they already blasted their money cannons. And I couldn't afford to work for free, so we split ways. And then two weeks later, they tanked themselves out of Weed Maps. There was some issue that I, you know I don't even know. So that show was a, a science experiment. It was, it was a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work, but it was fun. It looked great. Huge budget.
1: Until there was no budget. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break uh, because we got to get a word from our sponsor in here. But uh, please stick around. We'll be right back with more from Medi Mike here on Blazin'.
0: You're listening to Blazin' with Bobby Black on Cannabis Radio.
4: The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 4th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th to the 14th at the Oakland Marriott City Center in Oakland, California. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Meet industry leaders over three days of informative sessions and visit hundreds of vendors along the more than 80,000 square feet of sold-out expo floor. Hear from over 100 thought leaders headlined by feature keynote speaker, former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox. Join us at the epicenter of the cannabis movement, sponsored by the industry's only. National Trade Association, the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th through the 14th. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com.
2: Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network.
0: Blazin with Bobby Black.
1: All right, and we are back here on Blazin. Our guest this week, once again, is medicinal Mike Boris. Stand up comedian and all around awesome cannabis host from here in SoCal. So, Mike, I don't really know that much about you personally, about your background. Tell me, like, where are you from? What was your childhood like? All that good stuff. I know you hinted earlier that it wasn't uh, as pleasant as you might have liked. Well, I started
3: out as a psychic in Las Vegas, working on the stage over at Caesar's Palace, Mandalay Bay. Uh, And I ran the Psychic Guy Bookshop. Nowadays, uh, you know, I still do like my private readings and stuff, but the psychic stuff was all depressing, and I liked the comedy, and went from there. And then I got kicked out of everything for cannabis, but cannabis was, you know, the best thing in the world for me. I decided to mix everything together, and we ended up here.
1: And when was the first time you got high? Do you remember that experience? Yes, I was 15 years old,
3: and I smoked with my father... Yeah, I found a, it was like a joint, I guess back then is what they were just a small, the little paper one with the weed in it <laughs> uh, before we had rigs. but yeah, I found a joint. My father smoked it with me. Uh, it was awesome. You know, it, it was cool. And then I, it was how I did dishes and yeah, I was like 15 years old, but I mean, I was like a fire bug. I got in a lot of trouble and, uh, it mellowed me out real quick. He's no. passed away now, so you can't arrest him for child abuse. Oh so it,
1: it it gave you something to set on fire that wouldn't get you in as much trouble
4: <laughs> right right the bikes no
1: <laughs> so i've uh, I've smoked with you a bunch of times now, but it seems like most of the times i I know we're at events and stuff, but it seems like most of the times I've smoked with you it's been it's been joints or a bowl or even a vapor pen, but I haven't really seen you do lots of dabs. Are you a dab guy or do you tend to shy away from doing too many dabs?
3: You know what it is? Is I smoke dabs 24-7. I love dabs. It's my favorite way to smoke. But when I'm in public, my friend Madison tells me, if you go out and you, you, know, you get all over films, smoking weed everywhere, you're not hireable. So like, I, I lost a Comedy Central contract because when they Googled my name, they were like, this guy's going to end up in jail. So I, you know, I had to have my internet cleaned up, and you know, when you do anything in life, that presenting in any kind of an image, you know, you want to present the best image. And when I'm at work, I don't get high, but except for little joints. But if you smoke dabs, you're not really getting high off a joint anyway. It's just for social.
1: I kind of agree. I mean, uh, I like to do dabs as well, uh, but if I have shit to do, especially if I'm being paid somewhere to do it. It's usually better if I don't do very many dabs because I can easily lose focus and, and not keep my shit together.
3: See, you're a cannabis celebrity. So when I see you, my goal is to get you extremely as stoned as I can in the limited time I can grab you before they're yanking you <laughs> around. That's not actual typical, you know, when I'm walking around, but it's like, up oh, there's Bobby. Let's
1: smoke him out. That, the problem is that that's what what everyone thinks. Like everyone I go to interview at an event, every vendor, every person I meet or bump into, all my friends, they want to get me high. You know, they're like, oh hey, you, you try some of my stuff. You want to do a dab, this and that, and I have to turn people down. And sometimes people take it personally, like oh you don't want to do my dab. It's like no man, I it's, I just I got interviews to do. <laughs> and if I do if I do your dab, then you know I've already done a dab an hour ago or a half an hour ago, and you know I got to pace myself here, you know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, pacing is very important, Uh, especially when you're at an event. People get overwhelmed with the 15 dabs and free edibles everywhere, and they want to eat everything. And then they end up a story on the front page of my Instagram because they fell out. Uh,
1: You know, I famously uh, melted down uh, at a High Times Medical Cup. It was super hot. I think it was in Santa Rosa. And I I was going around doing interviews and I went to the Beezle booth and they make this amazing ice cream. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's really good. And so they, I think I have. They offered me some and it was like a vanilla caramel – Freaking delicious looking ice cream. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to take a couple bites. It's super hot. It looks good. I'm just going to take a couple bites. I took a couple bites, and my cameraman also took a few bites. Well, shortly thereafter, the cameraman was laying on the floor in the back staff area, completely incapacitated, and I I got in trouble for that for getting him getting him high. But on top of that, I I went I went on like I just said, screw it. I'm I have stuff to do, and I'm I'm going to keep going. So I ended up going to interview Valerie Corral. And I don't know if you know who she is. She's a very famous uh, activist from Wham uh, up in up in uh, NorCal. And so I went to her booth and she was finally there and I went to interview her and I got maybe two sentences into the interview and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to stop. <laughs> I had to sit down. My knees were shaking. I couldn't breathe. I was over... <laughs> overheated. I was completely like lost it and like so bad that they were like, oh my God, do you want us to call a doctor? Like get him some water, get him a towel. You know, like they were just like but she was great. Like she went into right into like mother mode and was like taking care of me, making sure I was okay and I ended up, I apologized of course and I ended up coming back later uh, when I was better and interviewed her after the show and, it, and the interview went fine uh, and I wrote a column about the whole meltdown because I thought, you know what? This is funny. Like, you know, one of the things i've always liked to do at high times uh when i was a columnist or whatever is to really just be genuine and human about who i am and what's going on you know and and to always try to make myself sound the best or cool was disingenuous to me like i wanted people to see when i fucked up too because it's funny and it humanizes you you know and and it's the truth it's it's life yeah
3: that's that's true you know eventually you get so used to just smoking that you don't even really get high anymore but when you do it's usually edibles is always what does it too you know where it's just uncontrollable because you don't know how much they're putting in it because it's an event they're probably quadruple dosing it i I know the ice cream too and that was good ice cream
1: yeah so tell me you mentioned a couple of projects Another track
3: of the question thinking about the ice cream
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh you mentioned a couple of your projects earlier that we didn't really touch on yet one was the comic book uh tell us about the comic book
3: So I created a series because I thought I was going to be a big, famous movie writer uh, called Patience. And it stars all comic book friends and some, you know, B-list celebrity TV people. No offense to them. Probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) And it's about a San Diego cannabis delivery, uh, but you don't see a lot of cannabis in it. There's no cursing. You know, usually I try to do clean comedy that's about cannabis, but it's all true stories about when I ran a co-op. And 40% of the people are actually playing themselves because they worked with me. You know, I'm a comic and we would hire all these comics. And um, it was real expensive to keep making these. We did four or five of them. And it's Patience Episode and Patience Like the Emotion. You can see that on YouTube and Vimeo and all them. Uh, Or NugLifeTV.com, I believe, actually has them. And then Benji Cooper, it turns out, is like a ninja of skill. I've known him. Years and years and years, but every year I find out he does something completely different and much needed, and he's like, nobody ever asked. Uh, <laughs> but he's a music composer, he's an artist, he also draws comic books, and turns out he's had his own comic series for years, and <laughs> just never told anybody. So we took the scripts, punched him up a little, and with his help on the writing as well, we created the comic series. And... With the the drink that we've got, which is a uh, red flavor and blue flavor, and it's CBD and vitamins, but you know nothing that's uh, gonna make you spin around like THCs are in it. We're gonna try and sell them out together and finance some of this stuff. But co- I love comics. I re- I read twenty comic books a night in chronological order every day since I was since I could read.
1: Wow see now I can't connect with you as much on the wrestling but with the comic books we're definitely on the same page now I had stopped collecting years ago when I bought my condo because I suddenly had to pay a lot more a month for my living expenses and I couldn't justify dropping 20 to 30 bucks a week on comics anymore and unfortunately I never have had the opportunity to go back but I have about close to 30 boxes of comics already and I, I've always At been a doorfront. I've always been a big uh, comic book guy. Uh, particular writers I like, particular artists I like that I follow. Certain certain characters and stuff. But uh, Ghost Rider was always my favorite because he was the most heavy metal superhero. I mean, a flaming skull and a motorcycle and a leather jacket with spikes, and like supernatural demon guy. I loved it.
3: I'm, I was more of a Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk. I like more uh, powers and, and cosmic stuff. Deadpool, of course, before he got all you know popular and corny. Um, but Total Marvel, DC's coming now, they're coming in strong, killing people off and stuff, and showing more blood, whereas, you know, they wouldn't do any kind of real contact back in the day, and Marvel was hacking into slash <laughs> the X-Men and stuff. Yeah. yeah I, I love comics. Yeah. I love comics. That's why I can't wait for the Chromicon. Con, uh,
1: yeah. And that's
3: July 8th in Las Vegas, that Chromicon. Con. Cool. But that's going to be fantastic. I'm dressing up.
1: Cool, cool. We we have to hit a superhero movie together. We haven't done that since I've been out here. I mean, I like to go see all the good superhero movies in IMAX when they come out. We got to we got to hit a film together.
3: Oh, we got to go to Tijuana. If you go like 10 miles south is Mexico, and they have the VIP movie theater over there. And it's it's subtitled, but they bring you beer.
1: And they do they have IMAX?
3: I don't know. It's Mexico, <laughs> but they bring you beer. <laughs>
1: no, I'm down.
3: Da- da- <laughs> no, it's actually very nice. It's all IMAX, and it's fantastic. It's cool. fun. Uh, and then you're you're in Mexico. You get to do the day out there, go shopping.
1: Yeah, sounds like a sounds like a good road trip. We we got to plan that. Maybe we could bring the whole yeah, okay. uh, bring the whole wax pack, make a whole day of it. <laughs> we we should mention uh, the wax pack, the the concept, the tagline that you came up with, the wax pack for the uh, coterie of cannabis uh, celebrities that all hang out together, like the Rat Pack, is pretty brilliant. Uh, let's do a rundown. Who's in Who's in the wax pack besides me and you? We've got Donor Rob. Right.
3: It's like Adam Hill's honorary, but he doesn't <laughs> like to play with anybody else. But he's awesome to hang out. I love hanging out with Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love hanging out with him, but he's anti <laughs> <laughs> um, And Then it would be it's, it's us hosts. You know, so yeah. the ones hosting. And Mr. Danko. Mr. Danny Danko. Yeah. Props and love to Newest, newest Sly member, Vegas, yeah. of course. Uh, yeah, Sly. And we need, uh, you know, it's all, we all host. There were these big public figures at just I, I don't know why i mean we get around but you know it's just an eclectic group of awesomeness and in 20 years when prohibition is hopefully over you know we'll stand out for our generations forefathers for putting that foot forward and the one thing that we try to do with the wax pack is you know we keep a network open to each other and all work together and keeps everything not competitive and you know, keeps your eye on the prize, and that's the ending. Of the prohibition, legalizing cannabis, getting those people out of jail—that's the important stuff. You know, and when you start getting and exposing yourself to the families in need who have children that are ill, it takes away. From the record, we're, we're the Matrix. We're, we're the Matrix of pot. That, that's <laughs> who
2: we are. That's how you explain
3: it. we need we're to, on a
1: whole nother level. <laughs> we need to put together some type of show where we're all doing it at once, like the Rat Pack did. Like maybe like a telethon to raise money for a cannabis uh oh, cause was, or something. We, we, we should, should do something like that.
3: We, I love working with everybody. You know, the Abolition Derby put a lot of us on the same stage. Yeah, too.
1: that was and, a lot of fun. Uh,
3: like that are fantastic. We should definitely do a telethon. And raise money for everything we can.
1: Yeah, we can get dressed up and get high together on stage and just riff off each other and film the whole thing and, and have people there, and it would be fun.
3: God, our jobs
1: are – when you say it like that, you know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, speaking of jobs, uh, I, I couldn't help notice – how many jobs have you had? How old are you? Because you you used to run a co-op. You are a comedian. You were a magician. Uh, oh, God. I, I mean, how I many would- –
3: I'm at so many jobs, it's not flattering anymore. Uh, and it's it's careers. They're careers. I, I like experience in life. I moved around a lot as a kid. And uh, I, I got I, ADD, so I get real bored real quick if I'm not passionate about it. So I've done everything. I mean, I've been a preschool teacher, a writer. I've run restaurants. I was a cowboy at Bonnie You do graphic Springs, design, old, too. Uh, yeah, I do graphics, logos, websites, apps. I do appliance repair currently during the day. I do. I was a bug, bug man, you know, termite control <laughs> inspector for like five years. Cause I always work two or three jobs. You know, you got to fill in the time. I'm, I'm trying to be successful uh, at everything I do, and it, it, I want to do everything. I got to play Santa Claus uh, <laughs> for like <laughs> That was awesome. I, I was a, a ghost in a haunted house for two months. Wow. If it's fun, I'll take a job there. I can do anything for a couple months. And before I had all these kids that I keep popping out. Life was awesome before the kids,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I love my kids. But it's course. very
3: different. You're you're living for them now. You're not living for yourself.
1: Yeah, I guess we should mention at this point then that uh, you just became a daddy for the third time, if I'm not mistaken, right?
3: Yes, in a row.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. How's, uh, how's daddy life going for you?
3: Uh, it's going good. Uh, we have a little girl, me and Natalie Hodges, who's ganja glam. She's a like a cannabis model and all that good stuff. And um, uh, we have a little girl, Summer Rose, and she's awesome. She's like 10 days old, so it's not a lot of sleep for her. Uh, I am sleeping just fine, however. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I, I love my kids very much. They all have my face. It's just on different bodies with different hair colors. And uh, I have a son, Odin, who's two, and my son, Brooklyn, who's 14.
1: You've been an outspoken advocate for father's rights online, I've seen, uh, because I guess you've had some trouble trying to see your son. Uh, Yeah,
3: I've gotten to see my two-year-old one time in the last year because of cannabis use. And the funny thing is, is the ex who works for uh, that bird killing company, uh, Can Originals, that kills the emus, they keep her employed... Even though it's the you know it's very well and publicly known that I'm uh, was being prohibited from seeing my child. Now I do a supervised visitation because of my marijuana I'm smoking. It's a hard thing to go through for anybody. I, you know I've gone over the big part of the hump already and I'm kind of in control of it and have gotten over the shock of just having a child yanked away from me because i'm I'm really tight with my kids. It, you know, marijuana is still something like that in court.
1: Oh, I imagine you as sort of as Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire with your kids, like the super fun dad who's keeping them entertained all the time. And and I don't know. I hope you don't have to put on a dress and a wig to start seeing them. I
3: just dress in women's clothes, but I stay home with it. I don't even see the kids. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, I have a lot of time. A lot of time I spend. I'm a single dad for my son, Brooklyn, who's 14. I've had him for quite a few years and then uh, fighting for Odin now. Oh, that's a good hashtag.
1: Fighting for Odin. Fight for Odin. Uh, And you end up in Valhalla if you fight for Odin.
3: That would be so awesome. (laughs) And that would... You know, and and it's important once you get over the shock because everybody feels like they're by themselves. You can't go out there as a man and be like, hey, I was abused by this little four-foot woman, you know, physically, mentally, blah, blah, blah without being ridiculed, you know, so there's really, really nowhere out there to go. I was looking for everywhere. And then I tried to get some help on Facebook and it was just hundreds of jokes. (laughs) And not to get me wrong, they were hysterical. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But, you know, it just felt so alone, you know, and then I got to hook up with uh, one of the guys at the Good Dad gang that Phil Sims, and... uh, you know, it showed that there's others and it's, you know, a nice connection group where everybody get together and talk about it. And it's important that if you haven't been through it, prepare because it can it can happen to you. It, it takes nothing with the way that the Justin system is structured, especially if you're a cannabis user. So, yeah, luckily, P.S. doesn't care, you know, as long as it's in a locked box and you're, you're being responsible and uh, not medicating around your children or, you know, don't blow cigarettes in your baby's face.
1: It's a shame the way uh, parents who, who use cannabis are treated in this country, but uh, it's a, it's a, that's the next struggle. Once we get legalization going, then it's the, that's going to be part of the struggle. But nice to know that you're uh, making headway and you got to see your son. That's that's good news.
3: And I, I have a children's book coming out that I wrote, illustrated by Mr. Benji Cooper. It is called uh, What's That Smell? And it's about telling the difference between private and secret and speaking to your children about your cannabis use, you know, and in an educated fashion so that they're leaving educated. So if ever questioned by, you know, the way D.A.R.E. used to be before they reformed it, uh, they have the proper answers and they know the difference between private and secret. You know, my, my medical history is private.
2: You know, what, what
3: Uncle Larry tickled you is secret.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, not to leave on such a perverted note, but we're just about out of time. Uh, before we go, Mike, uh, just let everybody know where they can find you online and what your upcoming gigs, uh, are where they can see you.
3: Look me up as Medicinal Mike, Mike Boris. You can check me out. I write at the Candid Chronicle, uh, nugliferadio.com. I'm really easy to find. Anywhere you look, I'm probably gonna be there. I'm like a genie. But <laughs> I smell pot and just show up.
1: You have any shows coming up, any comedy gigs or anything like that?
3: Uh yes, I have let's see that Chromicon is coming up July eighth. I've got HempCon coming up. That's August fourth. Alaska Hemp Fest is June twenty seventh. Las Vegas Hempfest, November sixteenth. Comedy, I'm all over San Diego and LA and wherever they're paying me to fly to.
1: Cool, man. Well, oh, thanks that. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to talk with us today on uh, what I guess is your uh, drive commute. <laughs> we really appreciate yeah. you being a guest on Blazin' Man, and I look forward to seeing you again soon at, at an event or wherever.
3: Oh, thanks, Bobby. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope to see you again soon.
1: All right. Take care, buddy. Okay, guys, and that is it for this episode of Blazing. Thanks once again for tuning in and toking up with us this week. Be sure to follow me on social media, Twitter at Bobby Black, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Bobby Black 420. Be sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazing with Bobby Black. And you'll find links to all of the stuff we talked about on the show today on the Facebook page. I sure hope you will tune in and talk up with us again next week here on Blazing. Until then, this is Bobby Black saying blaze on and peace off.